previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And Bob Carpenter said to the new fella in the booth with him, Kevin Franson, Franny. said, you know, if Robles could just hit 245, we'd really have something out there in center field. Well, let me tell you how many points below 245 yeah. he is now. He's 245 <laughs> below 245. He's old. He's old. He's old for yeah, the season. Hit. Four games, four starts. He's old for the season because he can't hit major league pitching. He maybe could hit the Nats <laughs> if he paid for another team. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. That was Monday. This is Wednesday. <laughs> Victor Robles appeared in two more games for the Washington Nationals since I said that. And you know how much closer he is to 245 right now? He's no closer. He's still at O. He played last night. He went O last night and made an error. Now, the error doesn't really matter because the Nats lost 53-2. to two. That doesn't really matter. Patrick Corbin again showed why he's not worth the money. Yeah, not horrible. even close to money. He couldn't. He had, like, going into the third inning, he had, like, 60 pitches. Yeah. Chuck Todd and I gave up on that game at about the same time. <laughs> Patrick Corbin got racked. Yes. And they had to take him out, and then they brought in Austin Voth, and he can't pitch. And then none of them can pitch. No, it was... They lost uh, 100-4, to four, something like that. But Juan Soto, the headline is Juan Soto hit his 100th home run, and he's like 14 years old. Right. He's one of the youngest guys of all time to do that. He's but, remarkable. Yeah, but it's Robles is what I'm talking about. And, and by the way, later in the show, we're going to have Barry's Verluga to talk about w what stunned me on Monday, finding out that the learners were, were intending to sell the team. I just... Uh, beside myself. I don't really understand it at all. Maybe Barry can explain it. But they cut Andrew Stevenson to give Victor Robles a full shot at center field. He doesn't have any hits. He has an RBI because he leaned into a pitch <laughs> and got hit and drove in a run. But he has no hits. No hits. What are we talking about? Come on, man. <laughs> It's not what I wanted to open with. Michael is not with us today. Michael's still away. Michael will be back with us on Friday. I was going to tell a story um, about my second booster shot. You have not gotten yours yet. I have not. I'm, I'm very interested to hear how, how it went for you. Well, this is what happened. I went into my... I have a lot of CVSs near my house, three or four of them within an easy drive. I went into the one that I always go to, one on Connecticut Avenue near Fessenden Street. And I walked in there over a week ago, and I walked into the pharmacy area, and I said to a young woman who was the first line of people working there, there were two women and a pharmacist, a male pharmacist. And I said to her, I'd like to sign up to get a booster shot. I'm eligible. I'm qualified. I'd like to sign up for a booster shot. And the reason I did this is because having called the 800 number for CVS and having reached an actual human after waiting about an hour, I was told, you can do this. Go into a CVS and sign up. I think I know how this goes. <laughs> and the woman said to me, and I'm quoting directly, you've got to do it online. Yep. And I said, I don't know how to do it online. I'm pretty old. I'm not real good online. I'm one of the people who qualify for the booster shot because of my age. So I came in here because I was told I could do this. Could you help me? And you know what her response was? 
She turned her back on me and walked away. Are you kidding me? She turned her back on me and walked away. Oh, that's appalling. Fortunately for me, another woman who worked there looked at me in pity and said, come down here and I'll help you. And this woman took my phone, helped me answer whatever questions I had to do to make an appointment. And I made an appointment through her grace. I made an appointment for 10 o'clock the next Wednesday. This would be last Wednesday, 10 o'clock. And why did I do that? Because I had Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off from PTI. And I wanted to go to Delaware, but I wanted to get this shot and stay home for a full day to see if I had any particular reaction. If I got a fever, if my arm hurt, all of those things which everyone considers when they get a shot, I considered and I was going to stay home for that day. This is going to sacrifice the day. Okay. And at my age, I don't have that many days left. (laughs) So I wait and I wait and I wait, four or five days. And then on Wednesday morning, I'm getting ready to go. We finish the podcast Wednesday, and I'm getting ready to go to the CVS to get my booster shot, my second booster shot. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to get Pfizer because I've had three Pfizers to this point. And although a number of people, including doctors, have said to me, you can get Moderna. It's not going to matter. Right, you can mix and match. Yeah, You can do that. But a particular person who I called in the healthcare business, said, get the Pfizer. Just do it. So, okay. Because that's what you had gotten before. So CVS does Pfizer. Sure. Somebody else, Safeway, does Moderna. Whatever, however it works. I don't know how it works. But at 10 after 9, 50 minutes before my appointed shot, I get a call from the pharmacist at the CVS, and he says, yeah, we're going to cancel. We don't have any vaccine. I go, what? (laughs) And he says to me, we don't have any vaccine. We overbooked. CVS always overbooks, um, but maybe we'll get some Thursday. Maybe we'll get some Friday, and we'll call you. And I said, hold on a second, Sparky. <laughs> I planned my whole week around this. Yes. Well, you, I booked it. You said it was okay, and now you don't have it. Sorry. So I do what any old person would do. Besides getting angry, I get in my car, and I drive to that CVS. And I go into that CVS, and I go to the pharmacy. And yes, that other woman is still there. The woman who turned her back oh, on turned you? her back on me. Great. I go into the pharmacy, and I, I asked for the pharmacist. I asked him to come over. I said, I'm the guy you just called. And he said, yeah, I'm sorry. We overbooked. And I said, would you do me a favor? Would you call around to a few CVSs around here and see if any of them have the vaccine? And he sort of looked at me like, who's this guy? But he said, okay. He said, okay. And he called two or three. And he got a CVS that had the vaccine. And that CVS, for those of you who play Washington Geography, (laughs) that CVS was on Wisconsin Avenue inside of a Target in what used to be a Best Buy. Oh, sure. And what used to be across the street from Heckinger's when Heckinger's was in business. (laughs) Okay, for those of you who want to go back 50 years. The Tenley Town one, right? That's right. Yes. So I'm pretty excited, but I'm pretty nervous, too. But he says, just go over there. They have the vaccine. I gave him your name. Okay. So I go over there, and on the way, I make a call to a few people to sort of do a backup, and I have a backup ready if I need it. I have a doctor ready if I need it, but I say, this is an adventure for me. I'm going to see if I can do this. Now, I park illegally. Now, I want you to understand this. I park illegally very close to the Target, which houses the CVS, down a side street, and I know it's illegal. 
And you might say, why did you do that? And I said, at this point, the worst I can get is a $100 ticket. Right. And at this point, to get this shot is worth 100 bucks to me. Yeah. Because I was not going to get this shot 20 minutes ago because they ran out of vaccine, and now I'm going to get it. I go into the Target. I go all the way back to where the pharmacy is. And a woman named Evelyn is the pharmacist. And I say, um, I think somebody just called you for me to get a shot. And she said, are you Mr. Kornheiser? And I said, yes, I am. So sit right down. We've got vaccine. Now, this is music to my ears. It's, We've got vaccine. It's fantastic. And she says, just first, you've got to fill out a couple of forms. And I said, Evelyn, I'm really sorry I didn't bring my glasses. It's hard for me to fill them out. And she said, you know what I'll do? I'll ask you the questions and I'll fill in your answers. How great is this customer service? Evelyn's doing great. How great is Evelyn compared to the woman in the other one who turned her back on me? Right? <laughs> turned her back on me. Right. Wouldn't I didn't exist. Right. I didn't exist. Reminds me of some people that we tried to buy coffee off of years ago. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so in Rehoboth, on Rehoboth Avenue. So, um, so then she calls over someone else. Now, I, I, even, I even went out of my way to wear a T-shirt. You know, so that she could find... Oh, right, so it's know, easy to, get, easy to yeah. get to my arm. I yeah. want it on my left arm. Right. She calls over someone else who prepares the vaccine. For all I know, she was stacking carpet remnants, you know, an hour ago. I don't care. <laughs> right. And I took the vaccine. I got the shot. And then I sat there for 15 minutes, because that's what you're supposed to do to see yep. if there's an immediate reaction. I didn't have any reaction at all. Um, and then she said, you can go now. I was so happy. I, and then, and you know what I did? I went back to the other CVS. Well, can I just ask before that? Yeah. Any ticket on the car? No. Got, got lucky. That's fantastic. But I would have, I would have yeah, happily gladly accepted played it. Yes. I didn't care about yes. that. I went back to the other CVS and asked for the pharmacist, and I said, I just want to thank you personally, because this worked out for me, and you went out of your way to help me. Thank you personally. And then I just looked at the other woman there, who, didn't know, who didn't know who I was. I'm sure didn't know who I was. So... So that's the story. And then all day, I had no reaction. And you know why I had no reaction? So I didn't get the real vaccine. Yeah, it just I got gave nothing. You, gave you the, uh, yeah. the dummy shot? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> there was nothing in that shot. So I wasted a whole day. <laughs> I had no reaction whatsoever. None. Zero. Did you, have you had reactions with the other shots? Um, I've had a little redness in my arm. I've had a little swelling in my arm. But I, uh, but I got a much greater reaction to the shingle shot. Oh. Well, so much greater reaction to the shingle shot. But you know what I found out, and I don't know if this is true, and people could email us about this. I found out, for example, that the Moderna shot, women seem to have anecdotally a greater reaction than men to the Moderna shot. Nobody my age, over 70, nobody my age... Has had any reaction to these shots at all? Because we, our immune system doesn't even exist. It doesn't <laughs> it's exist. Exactly. It's like you're just pouring water on your head. <laughs> right. Come on in. Yeah. So that's my booster story. Well, I later found out I read a story of the study in, that they did in Israel, and it said it only really works for two months. Is it two months? Two months I is all. Was, but, I thought it was four. No, two months. It wanes after two. It may have some lasting quality up to four. But you know what? Every two months, I'll take another one. Sure. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm okay. If it's going to help me, if I get this, not die from it, which is, I'm good. Yeah, that's the bottom line is if you're vaccinated, the, the chances of being seriously ill appear to be greatly, greatly reduced. So that's, you know, and well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And that I would advise everyone, including Kyrie Irving, <laughs> to get it. But, you know, if you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it. Yes. And if you're not going to get it, that means if you want to get it, it should be easier to get. Yes. Because not that many people want it. Although in my case, originally, 
I was locked out. Boy, was I. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> and I wasn't just mad. I was panicked. Well, yeah. It's like, what do you mean? I was panicked. I, I've scheduled everything around this because you, you, you're very smart. And I would do the same thing is you want to build in a couple of days or at least one yes. day for that um, I feel sick day, you know, in a reaction or whatever. Anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Hot Pink Hangover. It's one of my favorite bands. I'm so sorry they broke up. This is a song called Kennedy and Monroe. It's off their final album, entitled Beautiful Freaks. It tells the story of a cinematic love affair as the characters compare their relationship to those they grew up watching on the silver screen. Again, it's called Kennedy and Monroe. We're going to play Hot Pink Hangover all day today. I love them. And their guitarist, Davey Hazard, sends us this stuff. It makes me very happy. And they play in Michael Wilbon, who's out in Arizona. There were two play-in games last night. I watched the first one, going back and forth with the Nats and their terrible performance in Atlanta. I watched the first one, and, and I did not watch the second one. It was too late for me. But in the first one, the Nets beat Cleveland. And then the second one, I'm happy to say, the Timberwolves, with Nathan Bubis on the bench, son of the socialite. Beat the Clippers. You were I was two and zero. Oh, you were one and one. You have to be a little bit surprised that Minnesota won because I think you thought the Clippers were going to win that game. Yeah, but there's no surprises, Tone. I mean, there would have been a surprise if Brooklyn had lost. Yeah. But the thing about these playoffs and the reason I think they'll be different than anything we've ever seen, anything, is that you have no idea. It's, it's, it's as much like the NCAA tournament bracket as it is the NBA. The NBA is not about surprises. The NBA is about how do the best teams navigate the road to the championship. That's what the NBA has been about for the 75-year history of the sport, which you know better than mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. But this is different. Um, I'm going to tell you something. Brooklyn, Brooklyn had like five people play out of their minds. And they beat Cleveland by, by like two, two possessions. And this is, you know... It was an interesting development because how how often are you going to get four or five people to play out of their minds in the playoffs? Is it going to happen every playoff game? No, it's not. It was Cleveland. Cleveland's a good team, a well-coached team uh, by J.B. Bickerstaff. they got some young, talented players. Cleveland's going to be a force in the Eastern Conference if they stay healthy and together. But still, they're Cleveland. They're, they're, they're a team that is a legit eight-seed kind of team. And Brooklyn at home with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving made his first 12 shots. Tom. Yeah, he was great. And I, t- I, okay. I told you on the air yesterday they were going to combine for 60 and they combined for 59. <laughs> yeah, they're, so I, they're great. I, that, that, but so does that equal like great? In the, in the, no, that's the what they're supposed to do. No, they're supposed yeah, to do every that. Night. You can't do it every night. You, the, 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 even if the two of them do it every night, they had guys play out of their minds. So it was an interesting development. Um, and that's why, is it a surprise that Minnesota won? No, Minnesota's at home. 
Minnesota is so mouthy and talented. Uh, and you got to deal with Patrick Beverly every every minute of the game. Such who a pest. Threatening to get himself thrown out of the game, and you Such a thrown pest. out of the game. He's and like so worse than Lance Stevenson. He is. Much He's worse. a pest. Much He's worse. annoying. Yes. But I would like him on yes. my team. I don't yes, want to play against him. Play against him. And no. the Clippers are finding that. And Patrick Beverly, who played for the Clippers for yeah, played four for or five seasons, Patrick Beverly says after the game. All I want to do is beat them. I hate them. Mm. And there's friends. They talk about how during the you know during the normal course of their lives they they're still friends. They were, of course they are. He and Zubats apparently uh, particularly they text each other constantly. And, and Patrick Beverly comes out and says, "I just want to kill them." So I and really so there's a entertainment to that. I really like the play-in format. I, 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 I really like it. I really like it in baseball, and I like it even better in basketball because now the team that lost, the eighth-place team, um, in both cases, the eighth-place team, yes, yes, the eighth-place team that lost gets another shot. They get another shot at home playing the winner yet to be determined in the 9-10 game. So the 9-10 right. winners got to go on the road. And if 10 wins, they're going to have to go on the road twice and win two games. And I, I just think that the NBA has come up with a tremendous single elimination in effect format. I really like it. Do you? It's a really tremendously do. exciting. Like it. We, knew this la- we knew this last year. Going into it last year, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. And then after one quarter of the first playing game, 90% of people who like basketball are going, oh, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Now, LeBron James doesn't like it. He doesn't like it even though it was his only chance to get in the playoffs. But he was whining about it last year. And everybody looking at it going, no, LeBron, you, you're wrong on this one. You got this one dead wrong. You're angry because yeah. you got to be in it. Um, and, they, you know, so this is what I, I think the league has come up with an incredible thing. I don't like it in – I don't like extra teams – Baseball season is different. Every season has its own personality, its own mission, if you will. And baseball, after 162 games, I don't want to see more teams. I want to see fewer teams. I don't like it at all. Oh, I, I love do, the I, single I like game. I love the single game. Basketball puts in 20 out of 30 teams. Two-thirds of the yeah. teams in the league are in. Yeah. Well, so, so baseball probably does something similar now. No. I don't want to see Base- that. Uh, okay. I love it. I love me. the baseball one. Um, Phoenix is the team that you root for. Everybody knows you root for the Bulls, but Phoenix is the team that you root for to win this whole thing. Are you still with Phoenix? Do you believe sure. that Phoenix is the best team? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. They won 64 games mm-hmm. in the season. One of the few things I got almost right, prediction-wise, at the beginning of the season in late October, was I said nobody will be head and shoulders above the others enough to win 60. There will be no 60-win teams this year. Well, there was one. Yeah, There is one, the Suns. And they've been fabulous, Tony. They were, remember, Chris Paul went out for 14 games, and the Suns were 11-3 and three without him. I mean, so is that the same as John Morant being whatever they are in Memphis, 22-5? Like no. Yeah, it's just incredible what Memphis it did. Is, it's, it's staggering what they've done. And that hurts you now, for MVP. I mean, in, you know, if you're sitting down to, to say who's your MVP and the yeah. guy you think is your MVP goes out and the team does great, you say, well, maybe yeah. he's not the MVP. Maybe well, he's totally. not. But 
I don't even have John Morant on my first all NBA team because I re- this is just personal. I sat down two nights ago and voted on all these things. And I, I, you know, I, I don't take myself seriously, but I take the voting seriously. First of all, people now, there is their bonus money is attached to whether people make, you know, second or third team all NBA, oh, sure. which I think is wrong. Sure. I think that's wrong. But it is, but their money is attached to them. So, I, you know, yeah, it hurts. I don't have John Morant on my first team. I don't have Kevin Durant on my first team. They missed too many games. So that's what I wanted to get to. The story of this season may be this. Who can stay healthy? That may be the story of the season, right? Who's healthy at the right time? It was the story of last season. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant was able to come back on one leg and, and get within a toe of beating Milwaukee. Uh, in a series and, and, and winning again for him, which would have been staggering. And it, it only enhanced Kevin Durant's reputation and all that. But they didn't. Uh, and people point out to the Suns all the time, Tony, a big part of the Suns season is how you know, they bounced back from uh, getting the finals and having the crushing disappointment of that. But they beat the Clippers without Kawhi. They mm-hmm. beat the Lakers in the first round with Anthony Davis and LeBron, you know, limping through that a little bit. Uh, they beat Denver without Jamal Murray. And so, so, so that's part of the sun season. One of the reasons I've learned from Monty Williams for coach of the year is that he was able to get through that, get his team through it. He was able to get his team through a situation in which the owner decided not to pay young Aiton. And the disappointment from that was palpable. Yet Monty Williams was able to keep that kid's head directed he was able to keep that team directed, though they had these crazy things. Chris Paul out for 15 games, 14. So the Suns, the Suns are the best team. Does that mean they'll win? No, it doesn't. I mean, they're going to get a threat right off the bat. That's how deep the league is deeper, and there are more teams that can threaten a winner, threaten to win, than I've ever seen in all my life following basketball. Well, that's what made the NFL playoffs the greatest NFL playoffs of all time this year, that there was no dominating team, that anybody could yeah. win. And that made it, it, it was spectacular. How would you sell the Lakers job to a coach? How would you sell somebody on taking that job? I would say don't pay attention to the previous two years. Even that guy that we just fired won a championship. You're going to be in L.A., you're going to make a lot of money, you have a chance to immortalize yourself by winning. I mean, it's easy. It's an easy sell. It's not an easy team to rebuild. It's not going to be right. easy to win, but it's an easy job to sell. In these days of marketing, I mean, they'll be able to. They're not going to have any problem getting somebody to take the job of the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going to have a problem having somebody come in and win there. Yeah. But even that guy just won. He just won two years ago. So people can say, well, Rob Palenka doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, he just won. They just went in Washington the last two years. Haven't won yeah. in 45. Yeah, haven't won yeah, in 45 the Lakers, years. The Lakers, the Lakers won. And by the way, have the Celtics won in the last two years? No. Have the Heat won in the last two years? No. The Lakers no. won in the last two years. So they'll, they'll, they'll wind up getting the coach. If they, look, Tony, you pointed this out yesterday, totally accurately, that guys like Ty- Tyron Lue and, you know, they, they didn't want Jason Kidd. How and Monty Williams. They turned and, it down. And the, Monty Williams. Monty Williams looked at what he had, though, and said, okay, I think I can win here with this. Not every guy's going to do that. 
As a matter of fact, seven out of ten won't do that. All right, we'll get you out of here on this because you didn't have the chance on Monday. Wrap up thoughts on Tiger and the Masters and watching it. Well, it's a simple thought. What Tiger did was otherworldly. And I didn't think he was going to do it, as you know. I didn't think he was going to play. Right. I thought there was no right. chance. It was otherworldly. I watched every swing of the club that I could with him. Uh, the event did not captivate me independently of Tiger as much Agree. as it often does. Agree. It's okay. It's not anything against Scotty Scheffler and the inability to watch him or watch Colin Marikawa or watch that guy Cam Smith from Australia. It's all terrific. I just wasn't as engaged as I normally am, and I, I, I don't know what it will be like going forward with, a, with, a, with an occasional Tiger pop-up. I don't know. But it was, a, it was just, to see him out there was so staggering. And because of my circumstance of having had foot and leg surgery uh, during the week, over the weekend, I, that's all I could do was watch television. I, could not, I couldn't leave. I was chained to a hospital bed. And all I could do was watch Tiger. People call and say, hey, what are you doing? What am I doing? Well, let's see. I can't walk in the Masters is all. What do you think I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it was a real easy selection. And, and I watched every basketball game that could be watched going into the play-in. So I feel as caught up as I can be. But Tiger, man, um, I, I, the, the words fail most of us because there's no – repeat there's no blueprint for what we saw and i i don't know what we're going to see at st andrews suppose he goes out and practices a bunch and his body can't take that then what do we see so i i just i'm amazed i'm glad i saw it it doesn't relate in any way to what we know about professional golf or even tiger's career the will the will he has it's it may be the greatest will i know it's golf you're going to point to other sports, and I would just say that, to me, the, the greatest will I've ever seen in sports is Muhammad Ali. And Michael Jordan was, was right there, and Tiger Woods is in that category. And I've got to tell you, you, you're leaving somebody out, and I know he's not on this level, but Alex cool. Smith, to play in an NFL yeah, that's game, different. that's yeah, just is, unbelievable. It's, miracle, but it's unbelievable. It's yeah. a miracle, Tony. So is Tony cool. Canigliero. Yeah, but that's not the same. That's not the same category. I'm talking okay. about a will. Yeah, make okay. You maybe the greatest sportsman. Remember, in, in in 1998, you and I sat on a panel, which of course led to the existence of PTI, and we voted on who we thought were the greatest athletes of the 20th century. 20th century, yeah. And 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 at near the top of our list, both of us were Ali and Jordan. Sure. Now Alex Smith is not on that list. No, no, it's a, it the top it. three on anybody's list who was paying attention are Ali, Jordan, and Ruth. That's it. Yes, yes. That's everybody's so, top three. That's right, that's right. And so Alex Smith, Alex Smith, the, the miracle in which he was and is involved, yes, that goes on any a different Unbelievable. Just sports. To play in the NFL, yeah. to get hit like that. Yeah. All right, yeah. I, will, I will see you later. Okay, feel good. I'll right, see you later. Sounds good. Thank you. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Barry's Verluga will join us to talk about what's going on with the Nats. I, I, I mean, people selling teams. I'm at a loss to understand this, me personally. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Hot Pink Hangover. This is a song called I Got This, which is a female empowerment song aimed at destroying the narrative that women need men in their lives to be fulfilled. It was originally written as an acoustic country song to play only during the unplugged sets for Hot Pink Hangover. But after many requests for us to record it, an electric version, we decided to include it on our final album. Listeners can find these songs and the rest of the Beautiful Freaks album on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and the other popular streaming services. And Davey Hazard writes, Go Timberwolves. Good for him. I feel the same way. We welcome in Barry's Verlugo. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about. But I'll just start this by saying when I found out that the learners were allowing for the possibility of selling the team, which means they intend to sell the team. Um, I was so stunned, Barry. You had the story. It's yours. I was so stunned. I felt my first reaction was I just assumed their ownership would be generational. I really did. Would go on forever. I, I felt a little bit cheated. I felt dismayed. I know casually everyone in the family not any more than casually and i i felt wounded by it and and i wonder if you can tell me and tell all the people that listen if they care about this why this would happen well i think it's complex tony um and i would say that i i get where you're coming from in in 2018 mark lerner told me we will never sell the Nationals. This was a family investment. And it's exactly what you were thinking. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, they've owned it for 16 years. It's suddenly when you announce the possibility that you're going to sell, which, as you said, means they're going to sell. Yeah, of course. It yeah. feels like a, a, a business transaction and not a civic investment. Um, it just feels like we bought it for $450 million. Forbes will tell you it's worth $2 billion right now. Maybe we're going to quadruple our our investment, and it just and we're just going to cash out. and And I get why a fan would feel wounded because you this is not a mall or an office building. It's something you invest your time and your finances and your um, emotions in. And when somebody turns around and shows you that no, this, this is just a, something we were sitting on to make more cash for sixteen years, um, it seems a little crass. Uh, I will say that. Well, they would not directly link the two. Um, it's possible that no sector of the economy has suffered more over the course of the pandemic than commercial real estate. Ted Lerner made his billions in commercial real estate. Um, and I think it's reasonable to assume that they had two businesses, um, the nationals and their real estate business, that were struggling over the course of, of the past couple of years and maybe struggling to a point where they thought this is, this is not, it's not no longer profitable, but it's also not enjoyable to oversee these two entities. I'm, I'm supposing mm-hmm. here some, um, 
but you're right, Tony. It's it's stunning to me. I thought the next generation was going to step up. I had asked to talk to Mark Lerner because I wanted to talk to him about okay, who's who among your younger generation is preparing to take this thing over, and how are they doing that? Those kids are in their 30s now, so they're not kids. They have kids of their own. Um, just a, a a big development in Washington D.C. sports. So I, I've tried to understand this, and I had this conversation with my son the other day. And I said, I'm an old man, and I am set in my ways, and I understand how I got to where I am. I understand my worldview. My worldview, and it's probably similar to yours, is as a sports writer. Consequently, I see everything in wins and losses, ultimately for me, who won and who lost. There's a lot of years of looking at life that way. I have a certain amount of nuance. I have a certain amount of subtlety. But ultimately, Barry, I see the world in wins and losses. I don't know what business people see the world as. Maybe they just see it in terms of profit and loss. Maybe they see it different. Maybe you can own, if you are a business person, and you've made your life in the world of business, maybe you can own a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team, and when the moment is right to sell it, you sell it. Because the only way you make money owning a team is by selling the team. That's the only way, ultimately. So maybe they look at the world differently. Do you know what I'm saying? I just don't look at the world that way. I don't either, but that's why we don't have bees at the end of our names, right? Like this, this, <laughs> our net worth is not mentioned, you know, measured right, in a, with right. a bee at the end of it. So I think there does right. have to be, I mean, over the years, um, different learners have said different things to me, just as you said, casual conversation that, um, that have, you know, kind of lent some insight into how they operate. Years and years ago, I think maybe in the first year of their ownership, Mark Lerner said to me, we were at some event, and he said, you know, my dad, we were talking about his dad, who is the guy, he's the guy who did this, by the way. I mean, he is Ted the, Lerner. Yeah. He's Ted Lerner, borrowed money from his wife in 1952 to um, buy his first property uh, and built it from the ground up. Everybody else in, in this case was born on third base. Ted Lerner built the entire thing. So Mark and I were talking about his dad, and, and he, his dad said, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark said, you know, my dad still knows the value of a dollar. He knows that a dollar not spent is a dollar made. And that, that's, there's a worldview in there that the dollar is important. Every dollar is important. And, and I, I think if you go back to your kind of initial emotions about this feeling wounded, is that yeah. if that's not your worldview, if your worldview is, you know, more, more I, I guess, more nuanced and, and that some investments would mean different things emotionally to you than other investments, that, that a baseball team has emotions woven into that investment, then you would have a hard time living in a world in which, you know, you know the value of a dollar and every dollar is valued the same, whether it's spent or it's saved. I, I just think that <clears throat> that's made Ted Lerner an enormously, an, a huge pile of money that, that most of us could never um, conceive of. Um, and I have to believe that that kind of thinking is that opportunistic thinking goes into, look, we've got this asset. Our businesses are struggling. Um, we, we might be able to quadruple our, our profit on, on, this, um, on this asset, take the emotions out of it, because we always take the emotions out of it. Um, 
we're going to sell it. Should we have seen this coming? You know, it's a great question. I know people um, around the team that know the team and know the family. Some have predicted, uh, you know, I always thought they were going to sell. I didn't, I didn't see it coming now. Others are just blown out of the water like, whoa, I didn't, you know, they go back yeah. to the Mark Lerner quote from 2018, we're never going to sell. The next generation is in their 30s. It seems a natural handoff. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I mean, I, I saw it coming when I started hearing things over the last several several weeks that led to this story. But before that, I, I wasn't onto it at all. I mean, and I don't, I wouldn't. If, if somebody within the organization said, "Oh, I, I for the last couple of years, I think it's been building," I'd believe them. But that's not the <laughs> overwhelming sense. Um, this is a small question, but I went to it very quickly. How much of this is not wanting to pay Juan Soto what Juan Soto is going to be paid by someone else? And if you don't pay him, having then lost Harper and Rendon and Scherzer and Turner and Soto and legitimately allowing fans to think, what are you people doing? Yeah, so I think the Soto question is huge, and it's one I've, I've asked around about. And I think if there is any sort of queasiness about the idea of, of spending $500 million on a, on a single player, because that's, if it's, if it's not 500, it's going to be 450 at least. And that's not, I mean, I don't say that casually, that's what it's going to cost. And, and, and guess what? That's, it's going to be worth it. Like that is, that is what he costs. That is his market. He will not be overpaid. He's that good. Um, I don't, I think there could be an element of, geez, we just paid Steven Strasburg 245 million and he, he can't pitch. And, this whole environment, Juan Soto or Bryce Harper or whoever, whoever the next person is, is too rich for our blood. It just it's too much money to put into single employees. And and while, you know, I would defend the learners up and down for their payroll commitments over the years. They've always had you know, when the team was top good half enough, all they the time. Committed, and well and also all top the time. four some a, a yeah. couple of years. So they were good owners. Uh, but they, they also then wanted to save elsewhere. So if you work there, you know that the, I don't want to say cut corners, but you know where they didn't, uh, they didn't spend. I can see, Tony, where you, you know that those costs are going to be huge for, for labor, and you don't know really what your revenue is going to be because you still have the Masson problem and, and your attendance. They did not sell out on uh, opening day. They have not been able to ever cash in on their you know, the good feelings provided by the World Series title because the next year was a pandemic. So they didn't have yeah. a packed ballpark with right. um, a ring ceremony and, and everything, all the good feelings that go into that. So I'm not going to draw a direct line between Soto's going to cost a lot and they're selling the team. But um, I think the overall, oh my goodness, to be competitive, you need to spend $190, $200 million on payroll every year. Um, that, could be, that could be a possible, uh, you know, motivator. So the notes that I wrote down, and, and they are, you know, they're, they reflect being wounded. You just never expect this. You never expect it, it. It's a successful franchise. They are stewards of something that is civic and not just business, at least in my mind. They were very good owners. They won a World Series. You ne I absolutely did not ever expect this. I was stunned. Well, I think I, I come back to that, and we've discussed it a little, that civic element. And, and the word you used, stewardship, that, that kind of 
indicates that there's a greater good here. Um, it's not like what store am I going to put in the in the corner of my mall? It's like who am I getting as the third baseman? And and does my fan my fan base because I have a fan base? It's not just a a fan base is a different consumer base than just a customer who walks into a store and buys a sweater. It is yes. You know, it is yes. somebody who is willing to not only come to my place of business and pay to get in it and pay for the food that I provide there, but it's nobody sits on a couch 162 times a year and roots for a mall. They they root for a team. They buy gear for a team. And so I, I always say that that owners owe it to their fans to provide a reason to feel good about investing your time and your money and your emotions. And all of those things, those three kind of categories are probably weighed equally. People will complain about the money because they, that's something that goes out of their pocket. But I would argue your, your time and your emotions are as valuable in that investment. So then when you, you hear the announcement, we're exploring selling the team. Um, it, it, even if there was a lot of thought and care, and I'm sure there was a lot of thought and care in, in making this decision, and I don't believe that it was uh, you know, a, a unanimous decision within the family. I think there was a lot of rancor about this. Um, but when you hear it, it can't help but sound casual. And nothing about being a sports fan for the truly invested is casual because because you're upset that Victor Robles doesn't have a hit this year or Patrick Corbin. Yes, I want to reach through the set and strangle Patrick Corbin (laughs) when you go into the third and you've thrown 60 pitches already. Yes. And so that's that's why this transaction, when it comes down to what what it strips away is the idea that we, the Lerner family of Washington, D.C., made an investment not just for our family but for the city Yes, we were going to be stewards and we're going to help you and we're going to grow together and you're going to like us as owners because we've made good decisions and we've provided good players. And and then when you say just 16 years later, I talked to somebody in baseball yesterday. It's like, you know, that's a snap of the fingers. That's an ownership term. They they want leagues want stability. They want they want to know that they have pillars of people who have known the business for years and years and years, so that when a new person comes in, there aren't eight new people. There are 29 people who have been there for for years, and they can say, this is how it's done. You follow our lead. You learn the business. So anytime that there's transition, they, they don't they don't want that, um, unless it's the NFL and Dan Snyder. They would love that. But uh, yeah. so so it just it's you're, you're right. The, the it just is jarring. It's jarring because these things are supposed to be handed down from generation to generation. And there was an opportunity to do that here and it's not going to happen. Do you have any idea um, who might be interested in buying this team? So I keep hearing Ted Leonsis, um, the owner of the Capitals and the Wizards. That makes a lot of sense. Um, My suspicion, you know, I I don't know what these net worth uh, numbers that you can find are, are, I don't know how they're calculated or how accurate they are. Ted Lerner is, supposedly worth $4.5 billion, according to Forbes. Um, Ted Leonsis is worth $1.6 billion. Uh, I think he, he has significant investors in Monumental Sports, which oversees the um, Capitals and the Mystics and the, and the Wizards. Um, Lauren 
Powell Jobs is one of those. She's obviously extremely wealthy. Um, perhaps he could convince her to, to go in on the Nats with, with her. Um, David Rubenstein of the um, Carlisle Group in town, a uh, huge philanthropist, anything D.C.-wise. Um, it seems like he wants to put his, his hand up. And then I have not heard this directly from anybody um, who knows anything, but the natural name to think of is Jeff Bezos, the owner of the Washington Post and, and um, Amazon founder. He's now got ties to D.C. in that you know, he owns the Post and, and the other Amazon headquarters is coming to Alexandria. Um, but that's and he's also been kind of sniffing around for an NFL team. Uh, but I, I'm not sure baseball is the same as the NFL. In fact, I'm sure baseball is not the same as the NFL. So I don't I don't know for sure. But that's a natural place to look. I wish Don Graham had enough money to do this. Wow. I really Great. wish that because he he would be. Don and his family would understand what you have to do. I, you know, honestly, I, I can't agree more with everything you, you said, but for me, you're right. It's a snap of a finger, 16 years. It's nothing in ownership. It's absolutely nothing. And, and they were fine owners and they produced good teams. And it's now Soto is going to be someone else's decision to make. And this season is going down the drain. I, I don't know. It made me, as I said, it, it was wounding, wounding for me because I know them, you know, hello, goodbye and stuff like that. And they've always been very nice. And I think they did a very good job. And the notion that they were going to sell. And again, um, the only way you make money, you know, for generations to come is to sell the team. But usually it wait, you wait a little bit longer. You know, right, Barry? You wait yeah. a little bit longer. It's like that. Uh, I, right. I think so. I, I mean, I, I absolutely thought that this was going to be the next generation's decision to make yeah. about whether yeah. to, to hand it to theirs. And it, it, Tony, it's, it's a, you know, is this story a big national story? It's not, it's not no. a big national story, but it's it local. gets, but it gets to, yes, but it gets to core elements of why you root for sports teams. I mean, it's, it's a business story and it's, we're talking about billions and profits and where the revenue comes from and, and people who like business um, get into that stuff. But if you can't see it in an emotional way, if you can't see that it affects the fan base in, in terms of, you know, did you betray me because you led me on to, to think that you cared about this as much as I did, not in a, in a financial way, but in an emotional way, then, then I feel betrayed. Now, that, that, apply that to whatever team in whatever town. That, that's what this is about. That's a hundred percent. I did have one small little question. There was at some point there was rules against cross ownership in various leagues. Would Ted Leonsis be allowed to own all of these teams? Would any league say, no, no, you can't devote your attention that you need to devote. Would he have to divest one of those teams or two of those teams if he wanted the Nats? No, I asked yesterday and, and that seems to not be uh, an issue. John Henry of the, Red Sox owns Liverpool in the English Premier League. There's there's a few yeah. um, baseball owners who are invested in their in their soccer teams locally. Uh, I think John Henry just bought the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Um, so they're not only like cross leagues, but cross markets in some yeah. cases. So um, okay. I don't, you know, Ted needs to get the money and, and he has to have the desire. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure on either of those, but it, there's not a rule preventing it. 
If he wants to get the money, just go to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They're making big money right now. Don't I know that? Thank you, Barry. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks. Barry's Verluga is great. He's great. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Baby. Love hot pink candle. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, Levon wears his war wound like a crown. He calls his child Jesus because he likes the name and sends him to the finest school in town. If you go through the catalog of Elton John and Billy Joel, they are the same person. You just, you know, one is the madman across the water. Um, it's, you know, their stuff's great. Yeah. Billy Joel, Elton John. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Barry's Verluga. Thanks to today's sponsor, Shopify and ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We are way behind on our sea salt emails and our cottage cheese emails and let's go from kevin kosky in annapolis sure they lost by 20 or so sure the orchid might not pitch until july sure the nats might lose 100 games this year but you can't tell me you're not over the moon that you don't have to watch wander suero ever pitch again for the nats because he's in anaheim from noah kliegerman you weren't super clear about it on Thursday's, last Thursday's podcast, so I just wanted to confirm. Those runs given up by the Nats pitchers, 10 runs each, were they earned? <laughs> yes. Stay grumpy, my friend Noah in Austin. From Graham Van Hook. In downtown Bethesda, there's a Dunkin' Donuts that shares their store with a Baskin-Robbins. I made a point to visit this weekend in search of the coffee ice cream. I asked the woman behind the counter, do you have coffee-flavored ice cream? No, we don't have that flavor, she replied. You see the irony in this, don't you? As I panned the store, looking, locking my eyes on the Dunkin' Donuts logo. <laughs> looking back at her, she snapped, no, I don't. Are you going to order? It's just such a wonderful, <laughs> such a wonderful email. Graham Van Hook, thank you so much. From Kenny Cohn. I'm a coffee ice cream lover, too. I found the best coffee ice cream in the area so far. Sarah's homemade ice cream in the Wildwood Shopping Center. Dark roasted espresso bean. I've never had that. I've not. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Sarah's homemade. I will look for that. Yes. Sarah's homemade. From Robert Manley, who, of course, works for Safeway. In regards to Michael's question on the podcast, the raspberry phage, F-A-G-E, has been taken out of most store sets for now, but the signature brand Musil is still available in some stores. The reason why it's coming out of stock for you online is because the store is in close proximity to your address. It's currently not in stock. And also due to the pandemic, the Musli is in short supply currently. But I did come across it just the other day in the only Safeway, as you see pictured attached. Any and all Safeway questions, feel free to ask. Love this. <laughs> Good to have a guy, isn't it? Um, from Ruck. Ruck. I work in the dairy department of my Safeway store. I've been doing it for over three decades. Your cottage cheese rant was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> My tiny store is one of the smallest in the division. The locals call it the Soviet Safeway, <laughs> since we don't carry all the items the big stores do. I like to think of it as an oversized 7-Eleven, but it's one of the friendliest stores. We're located at Four Corners in Silver Spring, Maryland. As of this morning, we had more of your cottage cheese than we needed. We have enough for you to buy an entire shelf of it. Like the lady said in her email the other day, my dad's cottage cheese was so out of date, yet he said it was okay and ate it anyway. 
So you can take your time and enjoy every bite and don't have to worry about the expiration date. Unless it's green, you're good to go. <laughs> I've even added a picture so you will know exactly what you came in to buy in case you forgot. That tends to happen when you get older. I love it when customers are wandering around asking, what did my wife tell me to get? It happens to me and I work here. This is a great email. From Dara Flannery in Melbourne, Australia. Ooh. I hate cottage cheese. <laughs> okay, thank From you, Paul Penniman. I hate, not a little Richard Penniman, but Paul Penniman. <laughs> I hate cottage cheese, but if the gnats keep playing like this, I may have to start eating it. From Matt Sterling in Media, Pennsylvania. Come for the sports talk, stay for the curds. From Bob Davidson. First, a disclaimer. I'm the cousin of DG. Brother of Steve Davidson, who played ball with Richie Lobel at Valley Stream South High School. Being six years younger, while my brother was shooting hoops, I was sitting on the cheerleader's bench with the Noodleman triplets. Now who's the smart one? <laughs> was thrilled to hear you're from Lindbrook. Did you get your bar mitzvah suit at Murley's? Of course I did. Great husky section. I wasn't husky. Maybe you were, Bobby. I wasn't husky. Just for the record, I identify as a 4% large curter. Sounds like a biker gang. Thought you'd enjoy the attached. And it's large curd with my name superimposed in it. It's just, there's a great email by Bob Davids. From Claire Natola. On behalf of native Bostonians the world over, I'd like to thank Dan Byrne for his great Krzyzewski tune. We can easily adapt it for our beloved number eight, Y-A-S-T-R-Z-E-M-S-K-I. Long Island Zone, right? Yeah. Oh, Bridgehampton. Okay, this is great. On Wednesday's pod, I had the great pleasure of hearing my email read on your show. I've made it past the wall of Nigel a few times now, and each time you pause before pronouncing my very difficult last name, it's understandable. Anschutz is a tough one. So to make your life easier and hopefully to have my brilliant emails read more often on your show, I've decided to change my name to something more marketable. Thanks in advance for reading this email on the air. Signed, Jason S. Bowker. Brilliant. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Thank you, Jason. From the great Brendan Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey. Sure, Easy Pass may be one of the greatest inventions, but just think of the bloodshed the device could have avoided if it had been invented a couple of decades earlier. <laughs> if Easy Pass was around in the late 40s, surely Sonny Corleone would have driven right past the hitmen in the toll booth on the causeway. With Sonny alive, the family's likely never go to war. Sonny becomes the Don to replace his old man. Freddy is likely, Fredo is likely never put to death by his own brother because the family probably stays in New York. With Michael not at the seat at the head of the family, Frankie Pantangeli never kills himself after the Senate hearing because there's no hearing. Flip Tataglia lightly dies, though. Why? Because he's a pimp. <laughs> That's very From true. Teresa LaHaye. <laughs> Dear Mr. Tony, I want to talk about Bruno. I don't know what that means. It says Michael will know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that we'll means. We'll have to save that for Michael. Save then. that for Michael. Yes. From Josh from Connecticut. I had pork chops last night. From Jim Britt. <laughs> Listening to the pod last week, you were reading an email from that hockey announcer, and he mentioned Babson College. I know that school. My dad graduated from Babson. It's private business school in Wellesley, Massachusetts, that has turned out CEOs and the founders of companies like Toyota, Gerber Products, DreamWorks, Tommy Hilfiger, and Tony's favorite NFL owner, Arthur Blank of Home Depot fame, and the owner of the Falcons. My dad is also on that list. Stephen J. Britt, class of 58. He was the father of Black & Decker's Dustbuster, according to Time, New York Magazine, and a lot of other national publications. If you guys need any Dustbusters, let me know. I've bought Dustbusters in my I, life. I got one in every place I own. As have I, yes. Michael, cherish every day you get with your father. I lost my dad on December 31st, what I wouldn't give for one of those daily phone calls on how to get the game on TV or a request to take him somewhere for some good food. One final note. More email, not less. Give that to Michael, too. Bob Walsh, Weathersfield, Connecticut. What am I proudest of? I am proudest of my marriage of 38 years and my five children who have turned out to be good people. And while not on the proudest list, I'm also proud that on August 7th, 
2021, Summer of Littles 3.1 saw more than 200 Littles turn out at 40 venues in the UK, the US, and Canada to celebrate our community. This year, Summer of Littles 4 is on August 6th. It promises to be even bigger, and we're looking for Littles who want to host a venue in their locale. Folks who are interested in hosting should visit our website, summeroflittles.com, which I recommend. Yes, absolutely. And Chris from Durham, which I assume is Durham, North Carolina. This might be a little bit late, but since we're talking about things we're proud of, my team wanted bar trivia a few weeks back, and with help from your show, when one of the questions was, what is the name of the bear that has recently ransacked homes in the California community? My team looked at me befuddled as I quickly came up with the answer. And all thanks to your show that I had listened to earlier that day. Also, I am a nuclear pharmacist. If there isn't one already, do you mind making me the official nuclear pharmacist, Tony Kornheiser show? If so, then eat it, Howie. You can do that. What does that mean? I did- That's nuclear medicine, right? Y- is it special... I guess. Can, can you get me another booster, right. Chris I'm, from Durham? Can you hook me up with a booster in four months? I'm pretty sure Chris would not have turned his back at you. I hope not. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the micro wave. <laughs>
Come on.